0: That's almost a tongue twister, isn't it? And these all, having obtained a good report through faith, receive not the promise. It is possible to be full of faith and live without the promise. It is possible to have the promise before you have the faith. For whom God did foreknow, He did predestinate to become the sons of God. How many of you are glad you're in the family of God? Sons and daughters of the Most High. Once we were outside of faith, Does anybody remember? Am I telling the truth? Once we were outside of faith, but we had a promise. The promise was that Calvary works. The cross works. The blood works. These all having obtained a good report through faith, receive not the promise. God... Having provided some better thing for us, that they without us should not be made perfect. Perfection is a corporate work. To be made perfect takes more than just your own efforts. We're all striving to be the most we can be, aren't we? Has anybody in here made it yet? Are you perfect? You, 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 you ready to sprout wings? I come tonight with a pain in my back, but I didn't one time say, Sharon, honey, would you check this pain in my back? I think I've got wings getting ready to sprout through and it's the skin hurting. Oh no, no, no. But perfection for other generations, for other dispensations depend upon what we do as the church in our day. Turn and tell somebody that. I want to do what I need to do so whoever's dependent on me will make it into the perfection of God. God bless you. You may be seated. We have bearing, now when I say we, I'm not talking only about individually. Brother Casey, I think individually you can have influence, I'm talking about you, Kevin Casey, can have influence on somebody else's life, somebody else's walk for God. Do you believe that? Okay. Then I believe I can. I'm not. Singling you out as though you're the only one. But if we believe, if I believe that Carl Magruder can be an influencer, then I have to start thinking about how can I become an influencer? What can I do to influence someone else? What kind of actions, words, testimony can I have to do that? If you believe that Kevin Casey can influence the walk and the work and the testimony of somebody else, then it makes sense that to rise to your highest level, you have to think from time to time, what can I do to be an influencer? Help, help me out here now since you and me are in this conversation. What kind of things do you think are possible for you to do to influence someone else's Walk with God. Definitely. Have a helpful spirit, a helpful heart. Let Christ live through you. Let the share Christ, be a witness. All of these things are pertinent. Now, in you hearing these three or four items that Brother Casey mentions, I know how we all are. Our mind starts running to, what else? What can we do? So jump in here. What are you thinking? What are you thinking? What else can we do? What can you do to influence people now? We're not gonna, I'm not gonna put you on the spot that the the hook of this all is not, well, are you doing that and do you need to get, no, we all need to do better than we're doing. So this isn't about trying to draw anybody out so we can say you need to do better than you're doing. What kind of things are a thought in your mind and a burden in your heart that you can do more effectively? to be an influencer in your world. Sister Heather, an encourager, a lifter. Man, it's amazing how just a word of encouragement can help somebody that's down. There's only two kinds of people in the world. I'm glad you mentioned being a lifter because that's one of the kinds of people there are in the world. There's only two kinds, lifters and leaners. That's the only kind of people there are. Whether you're talking about in business, whether you're talking about in profession, whether you're talking about in activity, in religion, there's only two kinds of people. The ones that are leaners. They're not self-starters. They have to have somebody else fire their spark plug. They have to have somebody else that gets them going. And then there's the lifters, the ones that they... They're self-starters. They're self-motivators. Now, I'm not critical of any type. Have you ever seen lifters that you wish wouldn't pick up so hard? And have you ever seen leaners that you wish wasn't so heavy? See, there's room for all of us to develop and to improve whom we are and what we are. But the thing that we regulate is our, our actions, our activities. If you look at yourself tonight in the first five minutes or so of this lesson and say, I'm a leaner, then don't relegate yourself to that perpetually. Don't say, this is who I am. This is what I've always been. This is how I'll always be. Because you know, people who have been leaners for all of their life, can get a relationship that changes them in to a living witness, an empowered, processing person of faith. They can get out of simply the realm of a good report through faith, but no promise. I want to tell you something. Just because you're not at this moment an inheritor of the promise of God, doesn't mean that there's no promise for you. Maybe all you need to do is possess the promises. Israel was Israel when they were nothing more than the tribes, the sons of their father. And Israel was Israel when part of them was in Egypt and part of them was in a famine. And Israel was Israel when they all went down into captivity. You know the Bible story, don't you? And Israel was Israel when they were making bricks at the slag pits of the Egyptians to be a part of the erecting of the the tombs and the pyramids for the fallen royalty of the land of Egypt. Israel was not Israel only after they came into the land of promise. They had a good report. It says in the 11th chapter of Hebrews that waters rolled back before them. That they had their dead delivered back to, their their dead delivered back to life into their their presence. Miracles happen. You see, you can live on the verge of a miracle. You can be a part of a miracle community. You can be sitting on the same pew with someone that's got a healed heel. That sounds like I'm talking about you, Sister Laura. You're on the same bench with her. It's not personal, my sister. Not in the least. You can be on the same bench with the one that gets her heel healed. Man, I'd rather it have been your elbow. It would have been easier to say. Got her healed, healed, and you can go on suffering. And you can say, I don't have the promise. But if you got a good report, the promise is coming. Hello? If you got a good report, the promise is coming. It just may take somebody else to perfect the promise into your life. Amen. Anybody ever get saved in a revival? I'm talking about a protracted meeting. How many of you here found the Lord in a revival meeting? Raise your hand. You know how you got into the revival meeting to start with? Somebody told you about it. Somebody encouraged you to come participate. You may not have hit the altar your first visit. You may have come back on a repetitive basis. But hey, eventually you reached the point Where you said, just living close to the promises is not enough. I want grace for myself. I want salvation for myself. Praise God. Hallelujah. God provided some better thing for us. The us in this passage is dealing with the church age. Now, uh, we're in a bit of a ticklish Zone relative to where we live. The world's in a wretched condition. Is there agreement to that here tonight? The world's in a wretched condition. And confusion is created in a wretched world by people who have indecisive viewpoints of where we're at as a church, as a believer. We're living in the greatest age of intelligence the world has ever known. In fact, the Bible itself said knowledge would increase. Knowledge is increasing all around us. Who would have thought 30 years ago that I could carry in my pocket a computer with more information on it than that first big computer in Stockholm or wherever it was that they codenamed the beast, because they thought therein lies the leadership and the rulership for the whole world. My goodness, we preached about computers with a fright and a fear that we was uh, absolutely convinced any moment the computer itself was going to start spitting out chips to be imprinted in our foreheads and in the palm of our hands, and it's a technology that's entirely possible. And medically, the predate medically is going on in our world. But I wouldn't begin to tell you that a computer chip in your hand is the mark of the beast. I wouldn't begin to tell you that a computer chip in the forehead or behind the ear of your infant is the mark of the beast. Because if I were to tell you that, then I would be telling you that whoever took that mark is damned eternally, beyond conversion, beyond repair, and you know what? There may be somebody sitting in here with a chip in them right now that don't even know you've got it. Because during your surgical procedure, it was implanted off of the tip of a needle. It's happening all the time. No, the plan and the progression of the end time is far more definite than that. The end time is not a matter of it may possibly be this. Or it may possibly be that. Or this morning's newspaper may determine that it's such and such. Or what happens next month may determine that it's so and so. You know I'm coming to it. You may as well relax. Or the blood moons say this. Or... I heard such and such on this program or that. Look, I can tell you not what the blood moons say, or not what the programs on radio and TV say, but I can tell you what the Word of God says. You choose which one you want to believe. Personally, I'll believe the Word. It says, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God? Believe also in me, for in my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you that where I am, there you may be also. Hey, I want to tell you something. The end of this age and the coming of the Lord is not in the hands of the Antichrist. The end of the age and the rapture of the believer is not a matter of someone's interpretation of blood moons and Sabbaths and weeks of Daniel. There's a time that's already set in the Father's own care that He's coming back. And before He left the earth to start with, He told us, Watch, for in such an hour as you think not, The Son of Man cometh. And the church age, the church generation, is the greatest dispensation of all. All the others got good reports. All the others got testimonies of their time and their seasons. All the others served their generations well and slept with their fathers Isn't that what the Bible says of the departed patriarchs of other dispensations? But hey, the church dispensation is the only one that's not predestined unto death. All the others were predestined to live out their life and die and be buried with their fathers. The church generation is not predestined to death even the ones among us look across this congregation tonight and remember who used to sit there who sat right over here who sat back here who was it was back there about the posts where now we have a sound booth who sat over here who was it over here even when i came 30 years ago or a little over think of how many have left the congregation of this church of believers To go to the grave, but when they die, each and every one of them, we say their destiny is not this little four foot by eight foot, six foot deep grave. This is only their keeping place until the trumpet sounds. I'm telling you, the church has something far better than any other dispensation. We got a promise that I'm with you always, even to the ends of the world. we got to promise that we don't have to be troubled. we got to promise that we don't need to fret ourselves because of evildoers. So, according to the 11th chapter of Hebrews, where the faith chapter closes, it says our calling, our greatest urgency... Our greatest intensity should be to be influencers in the earth so that not only we're ready when He comes and we're made perfect unto a completed state of believership, but that we also might help someone else get ready for His coming. And if you denote and you know in your knowledge... That the chapters, the numbers, the verses were placed there by King James and not by the apostle Paul. Then you can read right on out of 11 into 12 without the subject changing where he said, wherefore seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, we need to witness. We need to be an influence. We need to be kind. We need to be serving. We need to be ready to do encouragement and acts of grace toward others. That's what he's saying. Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses. Let us lay aside every weight and the sin which doth so easily beset us. And let us run with patience the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him, endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down on the right hand of the throne of God. Wow, that sounds like completion, doesn't it? That sounds like what our goals are for. We have one who is both author and finisher of our faith. Maybe the first sermon you ever heard as a child, or as a young teenager, or maybe as a young married person, maybe it was in the revival meeting that you was converted in, but perhaps the first sermon you ever heard was God. Soul of the world, He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. And your heart was pricked. Your spirit was changed. And you said, I'm going to give my heart to Jesus. I'm going to give my life to Jesus. Now, it really isn't significant what service it was in. But it is significant that that was your choice and your decision. And as for me, I too had to rise to that invitation and that call. Mine was as a child. Yours may have been as at another setting, and that may be why I think of it in terms of so early on, because those were my experiences. I thank God that repentance worked for me. Can I get a witness in here? Anybody else know repentance works? I thank God that repentance worked for me. And I'm thankful for baptism, for the washing away of my sins. Praise God, my sins are gone. Isn't that what the old song said? They're underneath the blood of the cross of Calvary, as far removed as darkness is from dawn. In the sea of God's forgetfulness, that's good enough for me. Praise God, my sins are gone. Good song, I like it. I don't know if it's in our songbook. And I don't even know, yeah, I guess we do still have some songbooks back there in the back somewhere. Maybe it's in one of our songbooks, but it's true and it's real. Repentance works, baptism still works for remission. And I thank God for the Holy Ghost infilling. Glad you just received it. It's real. Glad I have it. Thankful you all have it. But guess what? The beat goes on. Once we receive the Holy Ghost, now the most important thing you can do, Brother Taylor, is share Christ with someone else. Give that knowledge of what's happened to you to someone else. Be an influencer, amen. How important is it here 's my question to you tonight: How important is it for the influenced to become the influencers? How important is it for we oh we 've looked unto Jesus, the author and finish of our faith. We have set our affections on things above and not on things of this earth. We have fully committed and made our minds up to serve the Lord with gladness and go on unto everlasting life. But having received the earnest of our inheritance, do you know that's what the Holy Ghost is? The Holy Ghost is just the down payment on what God wants to do in your life. Now that's big, folks. Think of how great the Holy Ghost is. Have you ever been so deep in the valley, those of you that's longer removed from it, from one day, He's still walking on air. He's still barely touching the ground when He walks. He's still thinking, wow, this is wow, wow, you know. Remember when you were there? Hallelujah. How many of you have lived long enough since then that the devil's attacked you again? Have you ever been so beat up by the devil since you got the Holy Ghost? So beat up by the devil that you didn't want to quit and go back. You just weren't sure there was enough life left in you to go on. You didn't want to give up. You just wasn't sure you could get up. Hey, I'll tell you something. I've taken some pretty big shots from the devil in my time. He can throw a haymaker, I'm going to tell you that. But if you get in this thinking you're never going to get hit again, only way you're never going to get hit is don't get in any confrontations with the enemy. Just try to be secret and private and silent and hidden. You know, just a undercover Christian. No, because if you let your light so shine... Before men, you're going to encounter darkness. You're going to encounter resistance. Oh, but before you get to thinking, what about that? The Bible says in verse 3 of chapter 12, For consider him that endured such contradiction of sinners against himself, lest ye be wearied and faint in your minds. I've never seen a time in my life I know my experiences are what they are. They're mine, and I'm not trying to say I've seen it all, because I know I haven't. But I've never seen a time when people who live for the Lord and know the glory of God and know the blessing of the Lord and know how rich the reward of God is, can get hit hard enough that they just actually feel like, I may as well give up. I may as well just throw up my hands... And quit. Oh, no. You need to go back to what Brother Taylor's feeling right now. You need to go back to what he's thinking about first full day with the Holy Ghost. Wow. What a day, what a day, what a day. Hey, you need to understand that without you, somebody else is not going to make it. Without you, somebody else is going to get hung up along the way. Without you, somebody else's life's going to be a failure. You're not living this just for yourself. I'm not even going to bring it to your address. I'm not even going to bring it to your doorstep. And since this is, and we're glad to have a a, a couple of the young people in here with us that are, are not gone tonight to youth congress, and glad you're here. You're welcome here in this lesson tonight. But I'm not going to bring it down to... If you don't live it for any other reason, live it for your children. You've heard that over and over. No, I want to tell you, far beyond your doorstep, there are people that's got their eyes on you. There are people that's watching you. There's people that you work with every day. There's people that you've gone to school with. There's people that you've grown up around. There are people that know you, that's had your life marked for a long time. They've been just looking and watching and waiting to see if you was going to give it up. They started out saying, it won't last a week. Then they said, it'll never last a month. Then they said, well, if he lasts six months, I might believe it. Some have said a year, and in each of your lives, they're watching you. And their only hope for salvation is if you go on living right, if you go on loving God. If you go on separating yourself from the sin life that you used to know, so that when they see you, they may say, oh, I know everyone that says they're a Christian isn't. I know everything that flies under the banner of religion's not real, but there's somebody real because I watched Kevin Casey and he had the kindness of the Lord in him. I watched Heather Tribble and she had Kindness and goodness. And she was a merciful Christian. I watched this one. Put your name in the blank. Come on. You don't have to do it out of my mouth. Do it in your own thinking. Put your name in the blank and bring in to bear what you're doing. You're kind. You're merciful. You're dutiful. You're loving. You're full of peace. You're committed. You're non-judgmental. You're evangelical. You're a witness. Whatever it is that's your traits, your strengths, your design, your desire, don't be satisfied to hang your harp on the willow. You're influenced by the Holy Ghost. My God, you're under the influence of a spirit that's stronger than Jack Daniels. You're under the influence of a spirit and an infilling that's stronger than a wine bottle. Hey, hey, in the uh early chapters of Acts of the Apostles, they staggered and stumbled, and they said these men are drunk, but the testimony was not as ye supposed. Seeing it is but the, the, the third hour, but this is that that was spoken of by the prophet Joel. We are under an influence. We are under a godly influence that the world can't explain. They don't know how it works. They don't know why it works. But when they need healing, where do they go? When they need deliverance, where do they turn? When they need a positive word of witness, who do they call? When they're so depressed that they can't get up and can't go on, where do they turn? This church cannot afford to ever get bogged down in the blur and the blurry of this age. And because there are so many voices that are saying so many different things, become confused and say, Well, I don't know. I'm just going to hold on and whatever happens will happen. Oh, no. I'm standing here tonight to tell you we're influenced by the Holy Ghost. And because we're under the influence of the Holy Ghost... We're influencers, and we're going to influence this community. We're going to influence this region. You're going to influence everybody you know to get ready. Jesus is coming. We're not trying to escape hell. We're trying to make heaven. We're not trying to beat the mark of the beast. We're trying to get ready for the rapture. We're not racing the reaper. We're getting ready for the rapture. We're getting ready to hear the Lord say, come on up higher my people. Come into the joys of the Lord forevermore. Amen. 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 So there's two things we need to give attention to in this passage that I've Shared with you. And that is. The great cloud of witnesses. That surround us. Some may be present. Active. Living. And some may but be. A memory. Who once walked this path with us. Now. I'm not trying to be. Dramatic. I don't like drama personally. It turns me off when people get overly dramatic. You you don't, you don't impress me if you get dramatic. Make it real. Keep it real. Highlight it, underline it, get to the details, and let's get on with the solutions. Amen. Anybody can whine and whimper and everybody's had trials. At some point you gotta quit sucking your thumb and get up and go on. At some point you gotta realize everybody stubbed their toe. Everybody hadn't had their heel healed. That's real and thank God for that. I'm not taking pot shots tonight. I'm simply telling you that uh, drama is not what it's about. Drama is not where it's at. At some point you gotta say, God called me out of the world. He called me out of sin. He called me out of a life that was a defeated, a wayward and a struggling life, and he did it for a reason. Why do you think God saved you? God didn't save you for his exercise. He didn't need somebody to practice on. God didn't save you because it was a, a, a spiritual uh, laboratory experiment. He saved you because he believed you had what it takes to influence somebody else. He saved you because He had confidence that you could make it through a trial, that you could make it through a test. Hey, when I get hit, and I feel like laying there and being counted out, I have to think, no, God didn't save me for this. God didn't save me for the count of ten. God saved me to fight the good fight of faith and lay hold on eternal life. I think you hear what I'm saying to you. So let me repeat it while you're listening. God did not save you for some trial or test to take you down for the count. God did not save you so that you would get intermittent in your life for Christ and give up and just be a statistic on somebody's page count of somebody that used to be in the church and they're not anymore. He saved you because He thought you was worth the precious blood of Calvary. He saved you because He thought you would would take notice and and you would appreciate what Calvary did for you. He saved you because he believed when the chips was down, you'd be a worthy witness. Oh, if I look across this congregation tonight in preaching like this, I see people that have braved the storms of affliction when the doctor said the report was not going to be good. I see people who have come through crisis in times of family Uh disability and dysfunction. I see people who have stood up for the cause of Christ under the resistance of people all about them. But hey, as I look at you tonight, I see a people who are not a quitting people. They are not a giving up people. They're not a throwing in and laying down people. But they're saying, if I've got to fight another round, I'm ready to lay aside every weight. I'm would so easily beset me. And I'm going to run with patience this race that's set before me. We're under the influence of a Holy Ghost. And we've got to be influencers until the Lord comes back again. Stand with me if you will. Brother Charlie Mack, I'm quitting not because I'm done, but because I'm out of breath. This getting old ain't everything they told us it was, brother. But it beats the option. Hallelujah. Seeing we are all so compassed about, so great a cloud of witnesses. I'm not going to be dramatic. I started telling you this a while ago. I don't want this to come across as just drama. But right now, you need to think of some loved one some friend, some brother or some sister in Christ that's already finished their race. They're already with Jesus. And instead of it only being a thought, when we lay them to rest, you need to think about it right now that you deserve more than to quit here and never see that loved one again. And they deserve more than to search over heaven and not find you there. I'm telling you, we're close enough to the end of this thing. You better run like you've never run in your life. We're close enough to the end of this race. If you ever intended to lay aside the weights, now's when you better be peeling them off and getting rid of them. I would certainly hate Do you know Easter Sunday? How many of you know that? I announced it earlier in the service. Was you listening? Did you get it? Everybody ought to have their hand up. They know Sunday's Easter. How many of you know Sunday's Easter? Did you know last Easter, 12 months ago, may be the last Easter you ever see? You don't have any guarantee you're going to be back here Sunday? We act like it's just a foregone conclusion. Little blue and pink ducks and little red and purple chickens and colored eggs and candy. Thank God for all of it. I'm for what you're doing, Sister Lisa. I'm not, I'm not preaching against any of that as though it's unsightly or evil. I'm just saying we don't have a promise of getting to there. But I'll tell you what we do have a promise of. We don't have a promise of what tomorrow holds, but we have a promise of who holds it. Good Lord. Good Lord. People scared to death. I'm getting phone calls and private messages on my email, and they're scared to death of the blood moon. And some even saying, well, on the last day of this month, great tribulation begins. I mean, now they're circulating it like it's a divine certainty. The last day of this month, the first day of May, starts the start of of the great tribulation. And seven years from the first of May, Jesus is coming back from his church. I saw it listed just that way. You know what I told Sister Sharon when I read that? I said, well, that guarantees me when the Lord's not coming. I'm certain when he won't come, he won't come the 1st of May 7 years from now. Now, he may come between now and then. He may come before Sunday. But I got news for you. I'm not watching the moon. I'm watching the sky to split open. I'm not watching for the beast. I'm looking for the king. Hallelujah. I'm not watching for the tribulation. I'm watching for the bridegroom. Behold, a bridegroom cometh. I hear the midnight cry. We'll go out with a shout if we all... hold. We're not going out broken and beaten and battered and bleeding and our guts cut out and our babies killed on our altars. We're going out in a victorious moment. Hebrews said some better thing provided for you that they without you could not be made perfect. The perfection of the end time is in the hands of the church being victorious when Jesus comes back again. And I'm going to tell you something. I plan to do my best to stay full of the victory. I plan to be an overcomer and hear Him say, Well done, good and faithful servant. Hallelujah. And since there's no time tonight to open the floor up for conflictory opinions to what's been preached, let me just close by saying, if you don't believe that, if you don't believe what I've just preached, and I'm saying this honorably, if you don't believe what I've just preached and you want to go through the Great Tribulation, go ahead. We'll just leave that to you. But how many of you want to go in the rapture with me? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I'm planning on going for it. Gets to that. Praise God. Amen. Get them visitors here Sunday or I'm going to be in big trouble. And then when Pastor